Welcome to Off She Goes, a podcast that features conversations with Gen Z girls of color who are making bold moves and changing the world. Hi everyone, I hope you're having an amazing day so far. I have a very exciting guest for this week's podcast episode. Tahira is a New York City-based content creator behind Sincerely Tahiri. She makes amazing book, fashion, and lifestyle content on YouTube and Instagram. In this episode, Tahira shared what books she's been loving so far this year, how she started a booktube channel, diversity on booktube and literature, building self-confidence through fashion, and utilizing social media to amplify Black voices. I found Tahira's channel, specifically her book-related videos, last January, and I've been watching her since then. We read similar books, and it was just so fun to fangirl and talk about books with her in this episode, and also learn more about her personal style. She has a great fashion sense, her perspective on Black Lives Matter, and how we can be anti-racist every day. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's a long one, and without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Tahira. Thank you for being on the podcast. Hi, Gabby. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Can you give our audience like a little bit of background about yourself first? My name is Tahira. I am a pre-law student at New York City College of Technology, um, and I am a New York City-based content creator. I talk about um, modest fashion, book reviews, um, advice, lifestyle stuff. I kind of just do a little bit of everything um, on my channel and like on Instagram. It's kind of just like a creative outlet for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were born and raised in New York and I'm wondering what your experience like growing up. New York is really interesting because it's like stereotypically like a melting pot but we do have our distinct communities but you kind of get Um, introduced to so many different types of people from a very like young age so certain things that I'm used to seeing um, in regards to like people from the LGBTQ community different types of like religions like backgrounds even mixed race people are things that are just so accustomed to me I feel like because I'm in New York I kind of grew up super like tolerant and like chill about most people because it was just so regular for me Um, but especially like being black and Muslim, there's a whole distinct like black Muslim community on the East Coast. Like literally there's people I know from New York that know each other in like Virginia and Connecticut and Delaware. And like, we don't know how we know each other, but apparently we all know each other. Um, So I've never really felt ostracized at home, like in New York, um, like in Brooklyn or in Queens and different places like that. But I do notice that sometimes if I go outside of New York, that's where I feel like, okay, things are a little different here, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Do you have like any like distinct childhood memory or experience that impacted your current interests or even like your outlook in life? I have so many different answers to this. I know for books, for one, I've always been a big reader. Literally like since I was a child, I would always beg my mom to like give me money so I could buy books at the Scholastic Book Fair. Like I was always that kid. I would just like put it on her, on her like table, on her bed. I'd be like, oops, how'd that get there? I have no idea. But I remember my mom bought me City of Bones, which is the first book in the Motor Instrument series by Cassandra Clare. And I had maybe been like in middle school. And so I was really questioning why my Muslim black mother bought me a book with a white boy with tattoos on the front (laughs) and shirtless. Like I was really confused. But it was a good book. And like that kind of got me into like YA and fantasy. Um, and since then, and I was already kind of low-key doing YouTube. My old YouTube videos are very private because I was like 12 and <laughs> looking a hot ass mess. But um, I kind of was just like, oh, let me just talk about this on the internet. Like it was like super chill for me. Um, I also grew up in like the performing 
arts kind of world. Like I've been dancing since I was three. Um, I've been like singing and playing piano since I was around like seven. I went to a performing arts high school. So talking and being on stage, even though I do get a little bit nervous, is something that was kind of just second nature to me. So YouTube and um, social media was, I don't know, it kind of was, it just fit into what I was doing, especially since I didn't want to necessarily be on stage anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wanted to have more control over what I was doing and what type of content I put out. And if anybody watches my channel, they know that I just do a whole bunch of stuff. And so I like having the freedom to do that. And I think me just being creative from a young age really helped me like facilitate how my creativity shows now that I'm a little bit older. Mm-hmm. And I want to first talk about like your journey on YouTube and, you know, BookTube. What book got you into reading? Um, Motor Instruments for sure, but I was also like a very OG YA fan, um, like Vampire Diaries, and um, what's that other series Um, by, I think it's like the House of Night series by like PC Cast and Kristen Cast. like I'm super throwback YA, I've been reading, Uh I was, I'm reading my whole life, but really seriously reading since I was in about middle school, but Cassandra Clare was it for me, like I don't know what it was about, I think it's because me being Muslim and like reading about a urban fantasy novel like in New York City surrounding mm-hmm. like angels and demons was just so interesting to me and it was something I had never seen done in that type of way but yeah like I said I'm OG I used to always read like Divergence um what's it called Hunger Games Twilight like I've always been into YA and specifically yeah. dystopian is one of my favorite genres yeah I mean for me my got into reading when I was 14 like summer before my sophomore year of high school so um I wasn't like an avid reader like I wasn't like I actually haven't read Harry Potter yet. Like I haven't read the OG classics because I did not start reading until I was like 14. I felt like I was already like quite old enough for like the target readers of this book, like middle grade books. But anyways, like my, the first book that got me into reading was To All the Boys I've Loved Before by Jenny Han. I love that. Yeah. Like my best friend recommended me that book that summer and she was like you gotta read this book and I was like you know I don't like reading but I was like I didn't really have anything to do that summer so I was like might as well read this book and then I finished it in like two days and I was like obsessed and then uh P.S. I Still Love You the second book came out that summer so I was just like so excited for its release and then I just started looking up similar books you know I discovered YA contemporary romance things like that I discovered Goodreads booktube and I was just so (laughs) excited and like I was just so so happy that I like discovered this whole new book community so yeah Yeah. booktube is really um even though I do do a lot of different things on my youtube channel the community that I feel the most connected to is the booktube community that is where I am like the most active I am super prevalent on every different type of social media um outlet on booktube like book twitter Bookstagram, mm-hmm. like anywhere where there's people talking about books, you will find me. Um, and even though there's always a bit like drama and whatever, just because of people <laughs> yes. naturally, um, Booktube is overwhelmingly just like super accepting of people. I think most people that are readers kind of grew up being like ostracized or being more shy or isolated. And so we all definitely bond over kind of like our mutual kind of like awkwardness Mm -hmm. and so there's not a lot of expectations to be anything but yourself and even with like my um non-book related videos I always have people from the booktube community always supporting me in a way that in the other communities I'm kind of involved in they don't show up as much like the engagement and the real sense of like (laughs) community on booktube is crazy like I've never seen it before even in like the makeup world and like the fashion world it's it's nothing like 
people that just talk about books. I don't know what it is, mm -hmm. but yeah, I definitely love um, the booktube community and just the bookish community in total. It's just amazing. Yeah. And speaking of booktube, like what inspired you to start your own channel? Um, so kind of like I said earlier, I had a channel since like middle school where I was just posting like covers of like really emo songs, like oh romance and like sleeping with sirens. Like I was just a little emo <laughs> child, but, um, I think that I didn't see people that looked like me talking about books. And there's this common misconception that I heard growing up. Um, I, people were always surprised to see me read, like literally people from out of nowhere would come up to me sometimes in public and be like, oh my gosh, like you're reading a book? And I'm like, why is that so crazy that I'm reading? Especially like Cassandra Clare books are like well over 600, 700 pages, like these big old books and mm -hmm. people will be so confused. And even on BookTube, we hear like a lot of publishers will say that they have this misconception that black books don't sell, black people don't read. And it's just so weird to me because all I've done like my whole life is read. Like yeah. I, I use reading as like a form of escapism. So I was just like, I don't see people like me that talk about books. Um, and even with like the modest fashion community, sometimes we only see, I realize a lot of Muslim women talking about things like beauty, like lifestyle and fashion, which is great, obviously, but Muslim people are not a monolith. We are so much multifaceted. And I wanted to show that, yes, I like fashion and beauty and makeup and all these other things but I am also a reader and I feel like all of these intersections make up who I am and so mm -hmm. I often hear from people like oh why don't you just like make a separate channel for this or like start something like that and for me it just doesn't feel authentic because some days I want to talk about books and then some days I want to you know be mm -hmm. my face so mm -hmm. I want to have a platform to do that and like I said the booktube community they are really just accepting and chill about everything that I do for the most part even if it's not about books they'll watch it um, yeah, I didn't realize going into it that BookTube was such a like whole community. I was just like talking about books and then people kind of found me and I'm like, oh, there's other people yeah. that do that as well. <laughs> and I was like, okay, wow, look at yeah. that. Yeah, no, um, for me too, like in my real life, not I don't really have that many friends that read a lot too. So when I discovered BookTube and people that loves to read it's just like so exciting I'm like wow people who like the same books as me same authors just like fangirling all the time like I'm here for it like, yeah. where been? It's been at my whole life <laughs> yeah exactly did you face any challenges though when you started your own booktube channel something that I noticed very early on with the booktube community specifically is um there is a high sense of like capitalism and privilege that comes across with a lot of booktubers and one of my favorite booktubers read with cindy she made a whole video about like how i love cindy love cindy she's literally an icon she could talk about like toast and i'm watching the video yes. like i Same. i love her but um there is a lot of like privilege that goes into a lot of these like booktube channels like me for example i don't own a bookshelf I've never had a bookshelf like my life just wasn't stable enough growing up um, with my siblings and my single mom who worked a lot to have a bookshelf so I all, all of my books that I ever got growing up were gifts either for like Eid or for my birthday and I kind of just kept them in like a little box underneath my bed they are still in like little boxes and so sometimes I felt like I didn't have the like aesthetic or the appeal that other people have so many of us like the most popular videos on booktube are the halls are right. the bookshelf tour um, or even like unhauling like a lot of these things are wrapped around money and privilege and so I often felt like mm, my situation like financially and just my life also me being a full-time student and then working full-time 
it doesn't really play into the quintessential like white booktuber who just like sits in their room with like this whole library full of books and they do a book haul like every week and so sometimes I felt very inadequate I'm just now coming out of that feeling and I kind of just feel like it's more important for me to be myself and then people that like rock with it they will and if they don't they don't but yeah I definitely felt that pressure of like mm, I don't necessarily have that like I don't look like that you know I also don't read sometimes I don't read a lot of the books that are popular and I noticed that as a booktuber those views those videos don't get as much views you don't get as much engagement there is a low-key popularity contest on booktube that is definitely a prevalent thing so that can be a bit mm-hmm. overwhelming but I try not to think about it too much but it's definitely there for sure yeah yeah I feel like I relate to that too in the sense that I feel like I wasn't I didn't really call myself a reader because I wasn't reading like the popular books that people were reading often that I saw on booktube or that I didn't have enough books yeah. in comparison to people who had like four to ceiling yeah. bookshelves. Or I don't read a hundred books a year for Goodreads. And I just be like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, I, read, I read maybe 25. And I think that's okay. Same. You know? Yeah. And is there any message you want your viewers to always like take away after watching a video of yours? I feel like the biggest thing about my channel is authenticity. Mm-hmm. Even when I came up with my channel name, like, yes, Sincerely Tahiri Rhymes, but um, yeah. I just was suffering with not feeling true to who I was and, like, my own lack of confidence and figuring out if who I was was okay. And so no matter what, I always just push, push for people to be authentic and, like, do what makes you happy. Like, I don't know where the quote comes from, but, like, does it spark joy is something I always think about in regards to my videos and even other booktubers that I'm friends with, shout out to the Unfriendly Black Hotties, which is my group of friends on booktube. We talk about things like making different type of content and then feeling like it's not going to do as well or perform as well because it's not quintessential booktube. And I always Mm -hmm. just tell them it's about doing what makes you happy and being yourself. I feel like if that's what you lead with, you can't ever go astray. Like trust your gut, be yourself, do what makes you happy and don't worry too much about labels and boxes because it's just there to make people feel comfortable. So many people would love for me to just do booktube and call it a day, but I'm not here to make you feel comfortable about my identities. I'm here to talk about some nonsense on the internet, you know? I definitely push for people to just be yourself and be creative. And one thing I've learned with being on the internet is the world is so big and so vast. There is bound to be somebody in the world that likes the same things as you. Mm -hmm. Always, Mm -hmm. always, 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 always. Yeah, it makes me so happy every time I find someone who is interested in the same things I'm interested in like you for example you're not only passionate about books but also fashion and social justice issues I also relate with what you said of just being authentic with like you know your social media too like for example on Instagram on my Instagram I started posting um because my Instagram is like I do photography so like a lot of my posts are like photography and like my own photography portfolio and then this past couple of months I started just posting more about like social and like political issues because like that's another thing that I'm passionate about I started sharing my books that I'm reading and I felt like really nervous of sharing that because it's like not photography related and a lot of my followers are like photographers and I'm just like I don't really want to make a separate account for this so yeah not realistic people in general don't fit neatly into boxes so I don't know why we have this idea that our social media is supposed to represent that if there's one thing that bothers me about social media is that heavily like the heavily impact on like 
aesthetics. Like that's what's really mm-hmm. important. How things look, how it's perceived. Okay. And I'd rather just be like real and honest. Like sometimes you're not about to get only book content from me. And I always tell people like, follow me or subscribe to me for me. And not even necessarily what I'm talking about. Like mm-hmm. literally just for me. Like I said about Cindy, Cindy could literally talk about like quantum physics and I'm watching <laughs> I, I don't care what's going on. I'm going to watch. an icon. Yes. Literally. And so that's what I think is the most important. Um, and with social media now, we kind of have, we create our own sense of like news and what's important and what's trending. Like we get that from social media. So I do think that people do have a responsibility on their platform to speak up about things, to use their platform in a way that is going to help others. I'm all about giving back. I feel really uncomfortable with my whole platform was just, oh my gosh, look at me in this cute skirt. Mm-hmm. Like, I would make me feel really weird just because you have all of these people watching me and what, just because like I'm pretty and I dress nice. Mm-hmm. Like you like me because of pages in a book. Like, I don't know. It just makes me feel really yeah. uncomfortable because the world is so much bigger than that. And I understand um, people wanting to escape, but I would like it so that I wouldn't need to escape from reality so much. Mm-hmm. Like that's my goal. You know, I wouldn't need to run away from the everyday things that I go through. What do you enjoy the most about being a part of the book community? I get most of my reading recommendations from the booktube community. Like, I don't hear about books no other way. If I feel like if I wasn't a part of booktube, I'd just be rereading all of my Cassandra Clare books, which is fine for me, but it may not be the best thing for expanding, like, my taste and um, how many books I'm reading. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely all of my um, all of my recommendations from booktube. Also, the different creative ways that people find to talk about books is so interesting. Like, even... Um, reading challenges and like reading sprints and um the different type of like tbr videos and like Mm -hmm. um what are they called people do like tbr games where you can like you randomly pick their tbr for the month i'm like i didn't know there were so many different ways to just talk about books you know Mm -hmm. i love that yeah i get a lot of like motivation to read on booktube sometimes like i spend so much hours just like watching booktube videos instead of reading but i love it i'm here for it but yeah, a lot of my favorite books is because of like watching booktubers like talk about them and yeah. you know, reviews and like TBRs for sure. What's your favorite book that you've read this year so far? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the first one that comes to mind is Children of Virtue and Vengeance by Tomi Adeyemi. It's the sequel to Children of Blood and Bone. And I adore Tomi Adeyemi. Her story of just being like a young, dark-skinned Black girl that graduated from Harvard. She got this seven-figure movie deal before the book even came out. Like the story is just so Black. It's so rich in Black history and Black culture and the um, the social commentary to our society that she just weaves into this fantasy story is just so profound to me. I love that book so much. Um, Other than fantasy, which is usually what I read, I would say that I really enjoyed Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Tom Oh my God, okay. I just finished Take a Hand, Danny Brown last night. Yes! I haven't finished, I haven't, I haven't read Get a Life, Chloe Brown yet, but I'm going to get into that and read it. It's so good. Talia Hibbert is just amazing. I don't know where I was at before I started reading her. I just kind of got into like romance and contemporary and the way she writes these characters, like Chloe Brown and Danny Brown are super independent. They are plus size black women mm-hmm. that have very strong opinions about the world, about themselves. They don't um, seek outside validation. They are just very comfortable with who they are. And I love that both of their mm-hmm. love interests are loving them and not their perception of them or not who they want them to be. It's just, uh-huh. I love that. Yeah. I love that. 
Yeah, no, I totally enjoyed Take a Hint, Danny Brown. Oh my God. Like she was unapologetically herself. And Zaf, the love interest. Oh boy. Oh, like God. loved a soft boy that just like cares. Yes, about- I love that. I related to I related to Danny so much, especially like how into education she is. Oh my and god. Yes. She was studying like massage noir post-slavery. I was like, oh my God blow my mind I know in love I was so obsessed with her like even the little comments of her saying like I don't need to be told that I'm attractive I know that I know. Like, but she still like felt nervous and was scared like when she was meeting her mm-hmm. like, literary academic idol she was still like nervous and I'm like I love this well-rounded view of what it means to be a successful black woman who knows what she wants but also has like flaws mm-hmm. and she also struggles with feeling like she's worthy of love and deserving of somebody that truly cares about her and her story of just overcoming her being in the her own way of like love was amazing and that's yes. so sweet so patient I love him oh my gosh yeah no I love that book a lot and I can't wait to read Get Alive Chloe Brown and then another one with Eve coming yes. out next year I love so, Eve yeah. she's so adorable and you spoke about uh Tomi Ariyemi too I read the first book Children of Blood and Bone a few months ago and I'm excited to pick up the second book um yes. hopefully by the end of the year I so many people it. have like misconceptions about the book I think if you go into it expecting it to be like this cookie cutter okay now we did x y and z in the first book let's like fix the kingdom you're going to be mm-hmm. really kind of disappointed Zelly is definitely an anarchist she's not interested in fixing anything she wants justice she wants vengeance and mm-hmm. the title of the book and I saw like a lot of reviews people were like oh she was like so aggressive and so angry and I'm like it's war yeah like she did not care and I loved Zelly and I loved her anger and yes she was a hot mess yes she made mistakes sometimes <laughs> she wasn't thinking straight but it was just so real I think especially with all the things going on right now with Black Lives Matter it's such a important time I feel like to read the story because Zelly is definitely on some no justice, no peace. And I loved that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Is there any book that you want to read before the year ends? There's this book that I'm really excited about called Legendborn. I can't remember the author, but I do know that the cover is just absolutely stunning. It's like this black girl with the afro and she is like red and blue all around her. It's, it looks amazing. And I think it's fantasy. Yeah. I think it's like a King Arthur retelling. Another book I'm really excited about is A Song of Wraith and Ruin, which is another West African fantasy um, inspired novel. And that just looks really amazing. What else am I excited about? Um, oh, I think it's called Punch the Sky by E.B. Zaboy and Yusuf Salam. It's about one of the um, Central Park Five. Oh, and, right. Yeah, he wrote a book with E.B. Zaboy, who was another, like, Black author, well-established and acclaimed, and love her books as well. And it's basically a story about a young Black boy who gets accused of a crime he didn't commit. And so it's kind of autobiographical, but told in a fictionary setting. And mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that novel. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it, but I'm definitely excited for that. Yeah, I'll definitely be checking those books out. Um, they sound really interesting. Um, for me, I've been so bad with, like, my good read. I probably should have not made like a good reading challenge but this year I'm so behind um but uh what am I trying to read where the crawdads sing is one of the books that I really want to read um the night house too Sarah yes, J Mass, Mass Crescent City that book that, that she like three different titles <laughs> but yes. I, I will be reading it it's like 800 plus pages so hopefully I will be able to read those books yes. um 
And now I want to discuss about representation in literature. Like, have you been seeing like an increase of Black and or Muslim representation in the books being published today? I definitely do see a lot of publishers making more of an effort to be really inclusive with, for example, like their marketing and even speaking to influencers. I've been a part of a couple of like blog tours where the publisher will say that this they are specifically seeking out own voices reviewers, Southeast Asian reviewers, Black Muslim reviewers. And that is really important because a lot of people that review books that are on own voices have been like shut out of reviewing these books. We're not allowed access to like the early titles on NetGalley. We get, um, we don't get approved by the publishers, which is really weird because I'm like, we're reading the book and the author most likely wrote the book for people that identify with whatever they identify as. Um, With Black stories, there is definitely an increase of those coming out. And I just hope that it is um, authentic. It's unfortunate that literally from the being paid to being put in bookstores, to how they market, like, I don't know if you've heard of the hashtag publishing paid me. No. It was on mm-hmm. Twitter. But basically, all of these publishers, I think it was like made popular by Tochi Onyabuchi, who is the author of War Girls, and I love him. But it was uh, a lot of like Black authors talking about how much they got paid and like their advances, their royalties for their books mm-hmm. compared to white authors. And some of the numbers that came out were like astounding. Like you had be- like new authors, new releases, debut authors getting six, seven figures for a series where you have established authors like N.K. Jemisin who only got like 50K mm-hmm. for one book or 25K for books that have been repeatedly on the New York Times bestseller list. So it is frustrating because from, like I said, jump to getting into the publishing room to even how it's marketed, there mm-hmm. definitely needs to be a better increase. I feel like with Muslim stories though, you see a bit more of them now, but the narratives being told are not really realistic to me, or they're very just one-sided. Like one book that was really popular that came out this year was Yes, No, Maybe So by Becky Albertalli and Aisha Saeed. Mm-hmm. And so I saw a lot of people, non-Muslim people that really liked the book, but when you talk to like Muslim reviewers, we're all kind of okay. underwhelmed yeah. because a lot of these books are marketed as like Muslim stories. And yes, the main character was Muslim, but you expect that they're faith would be something involved in the book or at least for um the main character even if it's something that they're struggling with if it's something that they're proud of if it's brought up I would just assume that it's relevant to the story but I think the thing that's so disheartening for Muslim readers is reading these books expecting to relate to characters and to like get this sort of representation and then you're met with these characters who just hate that they're Muslim or they don't care that they're Muslim. I've seen books that were marketed as like Muslim families, Muslim people, and the main character is an atheist and talks throughout the book that they don't identify with being Muslim. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? Like, what was the point of this? I, I could have been yeah. spared, you know, the trauma of reading about people's internalized Islamophobia. So it is a lot. And with the Muslim stories coming out, there definitely needs to be a more well-balanced view of what the Muslim um, experience is like in America. We aren't a monolith. We all experience different things, but there is a overwhelming amount of people who have negative experiences or non-practicing experiences with Islam compared to what I would argue is the most common Muslim American experience, which is like practice, you know, you Mm -hmm. try your best. And that's just that. Like most people, they grow up being Muslim and it's not this big, crazy thing like, oh my gosh, I have to pray or oh my gosh, I have to wear hijab. It's like, this is kind of just our life and it's very chill, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would definitely like to see a well more, a more well-balanced 
take on the Muslim experience with lit- in literature for sure. What book do you think has good Black and or Muslim representation? Um, for there, first of all, unfortunately, there's not a lot of Black Muslim representation in books. There are a few, but a lot of these authors are self-published or it's not being talked about that the author is Black and Muslim or the story is about a Black Muslim person. So there definitely needs to be a lot more of those. But I would say for the Muslim experience, I really did like All-American Muslim Girl by Nadine Jolie Courtney. That book was really profound to me because it was a story about this girl named um, Alia who grew up, she grows up white passing. And I believe she's like Eastern European and Syrian. So she just has like strawberry blonde hair, like light green eyes. Like nobody would think of her as any anything other than white and also it's in the south so she has like this southern accent Mm -hmm. and her whole family is muslim but they don't practice her dad is very anti-practicing he literally changed the arabic version of their name to the english version they don't talk about the fact that they're muslim like her parents drink they eat pork they don't pray and so many things that are like fundamental muslim households she didn't know so as she kind of got older and got to this she's in this new high school um, she sees the MSA, the Muslim Student Association. And so she kind of thinks like, why haven't, why don't I know much about being Muslim? Because it was this weird situation of she still identifies as Muslim, but she's not public about it. So she kind of just took this moment to be like, hmm, well, let me learn more about, you know, my faith. And I love the story so much because it's about her gaining faith. And it's just really real like she asked so many questions that most people have about like why do we wear hijab like you know why do we pray so much and etc and I loved her story of just gaining faith and how she found that having a Muslim identity just kept her centered especially as a young person who was in high school like I just think that it was just so profound um in regards to the black experience I'm trying to think of a book I really liked um actually I do have an answer for this unashamed musing of musings of a fat black muslim by leah vernon she is um leah vernon is a plus size hijabi model slash fashion influencer on instagram i had been following her for a really long time and she released a memoir and it was so amazing her story of just overcoming her issues with her black identity her muslim identity the way that those intersect also her body her eating disorders um her issues within our communities and she was just so real so raw i just felt like she was a big sister and not enough people have read that book it was just so real and i'm all about people that are just 100 percent themselves i personally don't look for like the perfect muslim when i'm trying to read books but at the bare minimum, I just like to read about p- people that are proud to be Muslim. Mm-hmm. And anything after that, I get. Like, I completely understand people have their own struggles and we're all in different places in regards to spirituality. And spirituality is really personal. Like in Take a Hint, Danny Brown, like Zaf, we all knew that he was Muslim. And it was a choice for him that he didn't practice. But for me, I at least appreciate the acknowledgement that he wasn't ashamed of being Muslim. It wasn't a secret. Like, it wasn't something that he had anything negative to speak about. But he just has his own way of practicing. And I think those types of books are just really important. Because it shows that the choice that people make. Like, I hate the misconception that you're, like, forced to be Muslim. Or you're forced to practice. Or, you know, all of that. Even though some people unfortunately do have to deal with that for most of us especially as in america mm-hmm. that's not really our lives that's not really our lifestyle a lot of us just choose this and i like to see books like that they just show real muslim people that are trying to figure it out but will still love like their faith that's really mm-hmm. what i'm looking for yeah um all american muslim girl is on my tbr 
and it's I've so been good. meaning to read it and I based from like your pitch of it sounds like <laughs> amazing so I'm excited to read that and I haven't heard of unashamed musings of a fat black Muslim so I'm definitely putting yeah. that in my TBR so please do and now I want to talk about just inclusivity and diversity in booktube like I mentioned earlier I started watching booktube when I was 14 and you know back then like booktube wasn't really like a big community in comparison yeah. to what it is now and that time, like I primarily followed booktubers with the biggest following and those people are white. And yeah. as I was growing up and the booktube, booktube community was growing, I started to become like just more aware of the people that I watch. And mm-hmm. YouTube doesn't really do a good job of recommending videos from booktubers of color or booktubers with a smaller <laughs> following. So like you really have to actively look for them. And nowadays though, there's no excuse of being like, oh, it's too hard you know, it's too hard for me to find creators like that because we have the internet and, you know, one Google search and you can find like a list of creators and booktubers uh, from diverse backgrounds. So like, ultimately, why do you think like it's necessary for people, especially those who are part of the book community to consume content from booktubers of color? Well, for a lot of people, especially kind of like what I was saying earlier, a lot of people that read tend to be more isolated. Um, a lot of us seek escapism through books. We can all relate to things like being bullied, to being ostracized in classrooms, to not fitting in in social circles. And so for a lot of us, reading is a form of not only escapism, but education. And that's why I think it's so important to just read diverse stories. Even if you can't, even well, even if you're not surrounded by people that are diverse, or um, if you live in a more homogenous like place or borough or state, it, you still have access to the experiences of other people through things like social media, but also through books. You're not really going to learn much if you're just reading about people mm-hmm. that go through the exact same things as you. I like to read because it broadens not only my sense of um, creativity, but also the world and seeing what other people experience, especially like I said before, if you don't have access to it. Also, it's just a really easy way to show support. So many people now, they talk about things like Black Lives Matter, but don't actually care about Black lives. And that includes Black stories, Black struggles, Black joy. These are things that are all inclusive of saying like Black Lives Matter. And it's not just about caring about us when we're dead or we're dying or we're facing extreme traumas. Our happiness and the things we create and make are also worthy of attention. Um, And I just feel like if you say you are an ally, you have to be an ally. And the biggest issue with the, um, I would say the white booktubers is they feel very victimized when called out about their lack of diversity or inclusivity. And me personally, I don't necessarily have high expectations of a lot of people. I just want people to be about what they say they're about. So if you say that you're inclusive, your reading taste should reflect that. And if that's not what you're about, also make that very clear for your audience. There are people that are okay with just reading about white girls and white boys and calling it the day. And that's their business. That's not my, that I don't have an opinion on that. But for a lot of people to really be on the internet saying we care and Black Lives Matter and I'm an ally, but you tell them like, hey, your reading taste doesn't reflect that. Or you leaving negative reviews on books by diverse authors simply because you couldn't understand it or you couldn't relate to it is problematic. It's dangerous. And it goes back into not, you're not showing support to Black readers, you're not showing support to Black authors, or it's, it's just this whole thing of if you're about it, be about it from start 
to end or don't include yourself in that at all. I know a lot of um, other Black um, booktubers that I follow, that I'm friends with, we feel some type of way about this increase of white guilt in regards to our subscribers and our followers, but it doesn't match the engagement. They don't really know much about us. It's a lot of like kissing up and it's just very uncomfortable because for the most part, I know, I can only speak for myself, but I'm not comfortable with people just following me because I'm black or just following me because I'm Muslim. Like I want people to acknowledge that these things are what make up who I am, but I am also a person outside of these intersectionalities. And books is just really the easiest way to just step into somebody else's life, Mm -hmm. even if you don't have access to it. It's like literally the bare minimum that you can do. Exactly. Literally, any questions you have, um, you'll find somebody from a diverse background that is talking about it in a story. Especially because a lot of us Black content creators and diverse content creators are not interested in answering y'all questions about like what racism is. Google is free. Go into go on the internet, open a book, and you'll find the answer. You know, a lot of these people, the reasons why they don't know how to necessarily like interact with Black people or people of color is because they've never had such close like proximities to them outside of situations they were forced to be in so now that you're voluntarily having trying to create like a social life or trying to find friends that's where all the hiccups come in and you realize you're just not as woke as you thought Mm -hmm. you were so pick up a book literally read a book it's so simple and if you have any questions i promise you there's somebody on the internet answering them Mm -hmm. it's so easy it's so simple like like you were saying there's absolutely no excuse exactly I've also noticed the book and publishing, you know, industry neglects booktubers of color and are still, you know, presented with less opportunities. And, you know, if, for example, a book company does reach out to a booktuber of color or they want want to work with them, they do it because of tokenization. And of course, this is not the case for all companies, but it is an issue that exists in the book and like publishing industry. So yeah, I'd just love to hear your thoughts on that. That's... It, that's such a good question because of what I'm going through right now. As my channel is kind of growing, oh, I have been getting a lot of like messages and emails from brands who want to work with me and publishers. And I'm having a hard time kind of like navigating these things because I know that a lot of these publishers, especially the big five, which are Penguin, um, HarperCollins, Simon & Schuster, um, Macmillan, and there's one more that I'm forgetting about. But the big five, they are literally like billion dollar corporations. Mm-hmm. And they even the way they talk to people of color and black people, they'll message them on some, oh, like do us a favor, or it would be really nice if you could help us out, or you know, on some like I'm broke, I need your help. Mm-hmm. And I know from the bigger booktubers that I'm friends with that these are not the conversations that they have with them. They wouldn't eat some of the numbers that I've heard from um black indigenous people of color that they've gotten from email like in emails from publishers is so disrespectful that it's it's absolutely insane and um i don't know if people heard about i don't know if you heard about the situation with book outlet and Naya yes. reading smiles yes that whole situation was very crazy and short synopsis um naya is the only i believe she's the only black person that has worked with um book outlet mm-hmm. which is a like a thrifting book website for maybe five or six years. And a lot of booktubers of color were messaging them and emailing them saying, hey, like we spent years trying to get onto your blogger list. And they tweeted out something like, we only want people that are family friendly. And we don't want people that use um, 
inappropriate language, which was so fake because a lot of the white influencers that they work with have commented under the post and like, we curse. We talk about stuff like that in our in our channels and on our pages. And it's so frustrating. I know I feel really bad for Naya. She made a video talking about how like she's nobody's token black girl. And that tokenism is just so dangerous because not only does it paint a very um unrealistic picture of the amounts of diverse readers that are there it also puts an obscene amount of pressure onto that one person to be the end-all be-all of somebody from that background and that's just unrealistic like Naya cannot speak for every black booktuber she can't speak for every black reader and it's not fair to put these um pressures on her and then also it makes a lot of us that are smaller, that are doing the work, that have a lot of engagement, feel like we're not as appreciated. Why is there only space for one? Mm-hmm. There should be enough space for all of us, especially yeah. because we are the ones that we like eat up these stories. Like black indigenous people of color, we love stories that are from our, you know, that our own voices that talk about experiences we heavily contribute to the pockets of these publishing industries. The least you can do is Mm -hmm. act like we exist. It's the bare minimum and make it be genuine. Don't make it be like nonsense or fake. Don't approach um, people of color in regards to booktubers and influencers with low rates or no rates at all or always wanting them to do something for free or always being like, argumentative talking about oh I need to get back to you when we know through conversations that you wouldn't have any of this energy with a white bigger booktuber who I would argue a lot of the white bigger booktubers are not even active at all they're not even as active they post a video twice a year three times a year once every couple of months but Mm -hmm. the same names you see all the time um also the the booktube thing with Michelle Obama was another big issue. Wait, what they was have, it? Booktube, um, well, YouTube finally, I guess, recognizes Booktube. And so they have a oh, right, right. Yeah. series. Yeah. And so Michelle Obama came on the first episode to talk about her memoir, Becoming. Uh-huh. And there were two Black women who weren't Booktubers that were there. And all the Booktubers that they chose were not Black. Ooh, okay. And everybody was like, what y'all yeah. gonna talk to Michelle Obama about? She's like, this is a story about her experience growing up in Chicago as a Black woman, you know, and the struggles that she faced, and there's not one Black woman or Black person from book two mm-hmm. talk about what that represents to them. Okay, okay, interesting. I think I did see that video, but I didn't know that the the Black people that were there weren't, like, book two, part of the book two. Yeah, community. no, they don't identify as, like, booktubers. Like, they, they're kind of, both of them are kind of commentary channels. Um, Francesca Ramsey and Julesy, I follow them. They are common, social commentary channels that sometimes okay. talk about or review, like, literary fiction and things like that, but they are not dedicated book reviewers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, like, they missed, I feel like YouTube missed yeah. the mark with that. Absolutely. It's, it's, so weird to me how did you not think of inviting black booktubers or there's so many different examples the situation with the hate you give movie there was like one or two oh, black yeah. booktubers that got chosen to fly out to be on the set of the movie and i'm just mm-hmm. confused as to who is in the room making these decisions and that's why we need more inclusivity not only in marketing not only in the influences that you work with not only with the books that are being written, but also people in um, leadership roles. We need more diverse people of color in these rooms to be like, hey, you know what? That 
looks a little bit weird to me. Or also, where are the sensitivity yeah. readers? Where are the beta readers at? How do some of these books even get published? Is crazy to me. Like some of the things I've read, I'm perplexed. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like I feel like definitely all about the money. They're definitely all about you know getting oh, yeah. people with the most number of subscribers and followers. Yeah. And those people are usually you know white people. So yeah. Yeah. We really need to see actual changes in this huge multi-million dollar industry. Literally. So before I start asking you questions about like fashion and your process of creating content, I want to do like a rapid Q&A bookish edition. Okay. Questions. Okay. I'm going to talk so much. I got it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So physical book, Kindle, or audiobook? Um, Physical book. Paperback or hardback? Hardback all the way. Series, trilogies, or standalones? Mm, I would say trilogies, and I always like the second book the best out of any trilogy. interesting. Don't know why, always the second book. (laughs) Okay. Film adaptations or TV adaptations? Mm, Movies, because most adaptations are crap, and two hours, I want to get it done. (laughs) I can't (laughs) with the show. I can take two hours. What book needs an adaptation? Oh, wow. Oh my gosh, put me on the spot. What book needs an adaptation? Um, I can't think about this. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. We can skip. We can skip. I have one more. Popular book that you hated. Oh, um, A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah J. Maas. Absolute trash. It is garbage. Nobody can convince me otherwise. Oh my God. Okay. We have to talk about that in a second. But going back to my previous question, what book needs an adaptation? Um, I'm trying to think of a really good book that I read that needs an adaptation. This is so much pressure. Um, okay, War Girls by Tochi Onyabuchi. Like, that's what comes to mind. It's like a sci-fi novel where it's like a couple hundred years in the future, and the earth is so just like messed up because of global warming. People have like tech attached to their bodies, um, because they can't, their bodies can't survive on the earth alone. It's that uninhabitable. Mm -hmm gases like whatever so they have like um bio arms they have like tech all like little fake lenses on their eyes and i would love to see that and it's based on um in nigeria during like a retelling of the biafran war wow so i'm like ooh, a whole bunch of like black people with, yeah like, that would be so like, attached to their bodies yeah, yeah. i would say more also a court of missing fury okay interesting i mean like <laughs> i okay because i read that book i think i was like 16 and i like loved it most of us. <laughs> um, I feel like if I haven't read it since then, and I feel like if I reread it, ooh, definitely. I'd I read it kind of late. I read it um, maybe last year. So that's mm-hmm. probably why. Yeah, I'm I, a bit older going into it. Yeah, I definitely, I will definitely notice the problematic and just the cringiness of it all. But it's like my guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. that. I mean, I think it's okay to let to still enjoy books that may have problematic elements to it because the world is not black and white and mm-hmm. these are a lot of books. Like you can like a book for like a certain character or like the way that it's written and still have problems with things like diversity or certain tropes. You know, people kind exactly. of mm-hmm. exist in the gray area. So yeah. I yeah, I do acknowledge the problematic elements of the book and Sarah J. Mass's writing. Yes. And now I want to talk about fashion and just like your process of creating content. How would you describe your personal style? Um, I feel 
feel like my style is for one modest um i also don't like a lot of colors i'm very like neutral earthy tones type of person i like the cream the olive green the nude the beige the browns Mm -hmm. um i also am really inspired by like 90s like thrift and like hip-hop culture i love going to the thrift store and finding some good 90s pieces that is everything for me i would be in a thrift shop all day if i could um and then also minimalist in the way that a lot of i feel like my clothing that i would like to wear and like my style is very kind of gender neutral Mm -hmm. Uh, so sometimes it's like really baggy really oversized or like um I do often wear a lot of menswear. I think you can find a lot of good stuff in the menswear aisle, especially like thrift stores. They fit better. The quality is usually better a lot of the times, way more comfortable. Yeah, I would say it's a mix of like modest, 90s, like Mm -hmm. minimalist. I don't know if that's a thing, but I'm going to go with it. And in terms of modest fashion, um, have you always been just like interested in modest fashion and like what's your favorite um, modest fashion piece? Um, So I... I started wearing hijab when I was seven. I kind of grew up wearing it on and off, but all the women in my family wear hijab. I knew that because I'm Muslim and I would have to dress modestly anyway, I'm like, how do I observe like these guidelines while also showing my personality, showing, you know, who I am as a person and having fun with what I wear. So I kind of had to get into modest fashion in a way, because if you're not into modest fashion and you are dressing modestly, it can be very depressing because a lot of the shapes and styles for like modest clothing that aren't really fashionable are like moos and like Mm -hmm. weird old lady grandma stuff so and I was like I don't want to wear that uh and like I mentioned earlier I was really emo so around the time I started wearing hijab I was always wearing all black I was wearing my band t-shirts and I would have my hijab matching like whatever color was on the shirt um my favorite modest passion piece I think you can't go wrong with like a good pair of like culottes or like wide leg pants. No matter what's going on, I feel like I, I can throw some of those on like slacks, like pants mm-hmm. are just for me. A good modest pants that fit nice, they hug you in the right places, but also like don't cause chafing and like you like the length, they don't, you know, they look uh-huh. like high waters. Those are really essential for me. And also a cardigan. A cardigan can definitely save your life, especially if you're plus size. Sometimes you just need something to cover up the backside, throw a little cardigan on, or like a kimono or an abaya, and it looks like you did something. You heard it here first. (laughs) I love your, like, just fashion sense. And I love that. It's just very unique. And, like, you know, you just take these pieces and just, like, mix and match. I love it. And so do you have any advice for like girls, especially young black Muslim girls who are interested in defining their own personal style and just building their own confidence? Well, for one, I would say Instagram and like Pinterest, like use social media as a sense of inspiration. Even on my Pinterest, I have like an Instagram inspiration board. And on Instagram, I like save a lot of people's um, outfits. And also I follow people that don't necessarily have the same style as me because I like the way that they approach to do. I can still take inspiration from what they did or the patterns that they mixed or like the shapes that they wore or where they shopped from. So that's one, definitely finding a good sense of inspiration. Also, there's this idea that when you dress modestly, you have to like throw out out everything that you own and like start from scratch. 
it makes a lot more sense to just look at what you already have and figure out, okay, how can I tweak this? Mm-hmm. Like, what can I add? Like I was saying before, like a cardigan or like a long sleeve shirt underneath or like an oversized t-shirt on top. Like there's so many different things that you can add to your existing wardrobe that can make it more modest or to make you feel more comfortable. But there's no rules to fashion. And that's why I love. You can literally wear mm-hmm. whatever you want. And as long as you like it and you feel like it makes you look good and feel good, that is what matters. Try it, something new. Put some colors together. Yeah. Literally just have fun. Like just think that you're doing dress up. That's the best way that I can um explain it. Just act as if you're like five again, dressing up in, you know, your mom's closet. Um, and once you find what makes you feel good and not necessarily listening to what people tell you you have to wear or what people tell you looks good, you find that you naturally gain confidence. Like I kind of use my fashion as an armor. And before I built up confidence, what I was wearing was my confidence for me. Like you're going to get this very loud outfit that displays how I feel for that day and all of my mood and my emotions. And that I feel like was um, a form of protection for me until I was strong enough to speak a lot of the things that I wanted to speak. Like my, I kind of let my clothes do the talking for me. And I think once you have more fun with fashion, it doesn't have to be that serious. Like I said, you can wear whatever. It's yeah. kind of just so natural. And you you do learn to love yourself more because you're like, first of all, this outfit is amazing. You'd be like, I can't believe I created that. I can't mm-hmm. believe it looks so good together. It'll naturally come. And once you accept that this is just clothes, mm-hmm. it's just what you're wearing, you can definitely take a step back and fully enjoy it without a lot of the like pressures that you feel from society for like, you have to look like this or your body has to look like that. Or like, you know, a lot of these fashion magazines, they have like these do's and don'ts i'm like girl no put it on and if it makes you happy wear it and if it makes you super happy wear it again okay 100 yeah no i definitely just having that mindset of just having fun and not taking you know anything seriously with the clothes that i wear last week i went to ikea for the first time just like being in that like public space again um and i was just like so excited to go out and like wear something cute and i just like went all out and my mom was like we're like literally going to Ikea. We're not going to be there for it's two a moment. Like I don't care. To the grocery store. I know. Like, yeah, just like having fun with it. And it's definitely a form of like self-expression for me, for, for sure. sure. And self-care as well. Mm-hmm. There's, do, there is no problem. Like it's okay to do things that just make you happy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it does not need another reason other than it makes you smile that day or it makes you feel beautiful. Like sometimes that is enough. And especially if you got your own money, don't let anybody make you feel any type of way about what you do with it. Because so many of us are, especially like young women are just really broken on the inside because we live our lives like trying to perform and conform for other people. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't feed you, you know, it doesn't satisfy the soul. You don't go home or, you know, come back from a long day of work feeling better about yourself because you spent all day trying to be something for somebody else Mm -hmm. do it for you and if there's especially if you're somebody who doesn't have a lot of control over their life like what I wore was completely up to me and it was the first sense of like agency that I felt and I hold on to that very dearly Mm -hmm. period yes you're not gonna tell me what I'm gonna wear period (laughs) now I want to um lastly talk about like just social justice and like social media Because, like, I've recently seen, you know, a lot of discourse between Black booktubers about, like, the silence of booktubers who are not Black and white, especially those who have a bigger following. And so how can these people utilize their platform for good? And, like, why is it so important for them to educate their audience about, you know, social justice issues? 
I think an easy way to utilize your platform is making space for those people. I think a lot of um, people, especially a lot of like white people, they feel like they have to be directly involved in a mm -hmm. lot of these things when it's not necessary. Sometimes people just need the space. Like we don't have access to the same opportunities. So you giving somebody the opportunity to speak their truths because we would not have had that space or platform before. And so we can kind of take it from there. I think that's one example, like making space for um, diverse people and people of color to speak their truths, also to educate yourself and your audience. And kind of back when we were speaking about before with diverse reading, even just making sure that you make an effort to include books by Black, Indigenous, people of color in every TBR and every wrap up and every haul, subconsciously because of the clout that you have, you are spreading awareness about these books or even just casually giving shout outs or mentions. Like there's so many like little things you can do to really show that you support people of color in the booktube space. Simple things like a retweet or liking something. It's, it, it really does go a long way. So many people, they are drawn to the bigger white booktubers and Kind of like I see the comments all the time. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy to have found you. Like, I love your channel. Like, I had no idea. So sometimes mm -hmm. it's just giving Black people and giving people of color the space to, like, giving them the opportunity to do something or to talk about their channel or talk about the books that they read goes a long way. But it's also really important because we are here and we occupy a space in the booktube world. Like, we read books and we talk about books on the internet. Like, that's not going to go away. And I think a lot of us... Um, a lot of us people of color were very like iffy about a lot of the white booktubers that are not utilizing their platform mm -hmm. right away. And a lot of them are being quote unquote canceled and they're seeing a lot of decrease in their subscriber counts and their, you know, and their engagement because it, we're just not interested. You're kind of going to be left behind if that's the narrative to somebody because of, oh, they're this or you're black. Let me ask you X, Y, and Z. Just watch a black booktubers video. Watch an Asian booktubers video. Like, just watch and engage with them and then make a decision from there on rather than being that, oh, well, you're Black. You're, you know, you're Latinx. I think you'll like this. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you don't know anything about me beyond what you see. And that can be really frustrating because, yeah, like, I'm Black, but I'm mm -hmm. also Tyra, you know? And sometimes... I just want to talk about books or sometimes I don't necessarily want to read books that speak about the quote unquote black experience. A lot of those are also based in like trauma and can be very hard to read. Um, but like I was saying earlier, you do have a responsibility when you have a following. I firmly believe that you have to take that influencer thing to heart. Exactly. Don't just reap the benefits of it and like line your pockets mm -hmm. and collect your checks and then Preach. go home. Yeah. You have an obligation to do better to help others especially because it's so fickle like some especially a lot of like white bigger booktubers or bigger influencers the things that made you popular were things like the fact that you're white capitalism privilege mm -hmm. and less about really what you're really talking about and I've also seen a lot of bigger white booktubers that suffer from that as soon as they start doing anything creative in another way a lot of their their followers disappear because they weren't even interested in them. They were interested mm -hmm. in like, the idea of who they were. And I just think that if you take a little bit of time to just dive deeper into your audience, into different type of booktubers and engaging with their content, you'll really be surprised to see that there's a whole other community 
that have bonded over our shared kind of being excluded from the booktube community that really just want people to acknowledge that we are here and not even necessarily want what you have, but just want to be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. Like being purposely forgotten is very frustrating or being isolated. It's, it's very intentional and it's very frustrating, especially because a lot of black indigenous people of color, booktubers and own voices reviewers are the backbone of a lot of these stories. Like we have a very dedicated audience that comes to us for certain things. Like a lot of people come to my channel, they wanna know what's the Muslim representation like? And that is something that if somebody wants to like collab with me or work with me on something, whether they have a bigger channel or not, can be super helpful to educating their own viewers, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with using their platform for amplifying the voices of black people. I saw this video, I don't know if you saw like Mina Reed's um, Fuck Your White Tears video. Um, she, I think one of her examples, I think this white bookstagrammer or whatever was like crying on like IG Live and was like, I don't really know what to say. I don't know what words to say. Like, you don't have to say anything. If you cannot like speak up and if you don't know anything about it, like educate yourself and then use your platform to amplify diverse voices, black voices, like direct people to like black organizers, black activists. And then just move out the way, like literally. If yeah. you don't have anything to say, you don't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. really that simple. I think a lot of, especially with those videos, a lot of um, people, a lot of white people are making it seem like, oh my gosh, y'all are making me feel like so bad about being white and you want me to do X, Y, and Z. Like what do you want me to do? White fragility. Literally, and it's, it's none of that. We're not talking about that. Like even in my video, um, like where do black people go to escape? The the excuse that I read as a form of escapism or I only want my channel or my bookstagram to just be about books is just so like laced with privilege because so many of us want our channels to just be about books. Mm -hmm. We would love to just talk about books. We would love to just talk about the things that we enjoy without having to be faced with systemic racism and Islamophobia and misogyny. Like we would love to escape, but that is not our reality. So if you're gonna escape, continue to escape when this all blows over and you're looking for your subscribers. Escape over there because no, it's not enough to just oh, like separate the art from the artist. I don't believe in that. Everything you create is an extension of you, mm -hmm. period. So I'm not interested in your channel if I'm not interested in you. Mm -hmm. And if you as a person feels like it's too much to talk about black issues because it's too depressing or X, Y, and Z, whatever the BS excuse is, I'm not interested in engaging your content. I don't care if you tell yourself that you're not racist, that you're woke, that you're an ally. That's nice. I hope it makes you sleep well at night. <laughs> I don't personally care. Yeah. I know a lot of people are getting to that point where you're, you have to do your part. You're not doing enough, especially because all of us, I would say, like other people of color and diverse um, voices are doing that work ourselves. The same way that we have to unlearn our own like internalized Islamophobia or um, homophobia or transphobia, mm -hmm. You continue, you still have to do the work to unlearn your own bias and racism. Like how many of your viewers and your subscribers say crazy stuff in these people's comments? Please don't be, don't read white booktubers comments. Cause some of the stuff is really crazy. I'm like, what are you, what are you gonna do about that? Mm -hmm. You know, this is I, your space. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely, you know, I've seen a few white booktubers like make videos about you know their upcoming tbr for example like june tbr or whatever and their beginning of the video will be like 
talk about like the first two minutes will be about Black Lives Matter. And then the next part, they would say like, you know, I'm learning and I want to read more books about like Black authors and stuff. And I'm like, holding you accountable. I'm going to make sure that you are going to read and that you are you know, I'm going to make sure that you're going to keep talking about this, not yeah. just you today. Have to be active, you have to be an active participant in, in other people's liberation. It's not just something you just say because it's cute, because you want the followers, because you want to not be canceled. That's not enough. It ha- you have to be an active participant in being an ally and helping mm-hmm. other people and utilizing your voice. And if you look at it as something that's exhausting, you need to really like do some internal soul searching the, I always share and uplift smaller booktubers, smaller creators, talk about so many different types of struggles, whether it relates to the communities I'm involved with or not. And that's not like emotional labor for me. I don't complain about it. It's just what you do because mm-hmm. I want other people to have basic human rights. It's really that simple. And what do you say to people or influencers who say stuff like, you know, social media is like my place to escape and like social media should be like my happy space. I mean, you kind of mentioned this earlier too um yeah it's it's definitely heavily laced in privilege and I would I would question them into why that they don't think that other people deserve that Mm -hmm. why can't our spaces also be a form of escapism why are you the only person entitled to escape when, especially with Black Lives Matter, people are literally being killed in the streets by police officers being killed in their homes. People are literally being tear gassed and shot at at protests. People are dying at protests. Why are you the only one deserving of escapism and peace and quiet? And why are you the only person that can that doesn't have to be um, tokenized or you know you're have your culture being appropriated why do you deserve that right other than other, like over other people that's what I would really ask them about because I would love to just talk about some stuff on my channel and not have to deal with the nonsense but that's not my reality mm-hmm. like I'm a black Muslim woman and this is what my people are going through and I have the obligation to speak up mm-hmm. and if it's like I was saying before you do need to do some soul searching if it's such a big issue utilizing your platform like don't talk about books then don't talk don't have a um a channel or a platform or call yourself an influencer or take jobs or get paid for this if you're not trying to utilize the space that you occupy give it to somebody else definitely lots of anti-racist work to do and just like questioning everything and making sure that we're doing the work not just today but every day Um, and so to wrap up this episode What's next for you? Like, what are you looking forward to? Any exciting plans, goals? Um, I am finally starting my business, which I've been wanting to for a very long time. Um, I am just about to start like the Instagram and getting the website and stuff together. But the Instagram is the Honest Closet NYC, and you can follow the Instagram. It is a lifestyle brand that I kind of want to be shaped around like self care and positive affirmations and doing things and wearing things that make you feel good about yourself. Also, I am working with a couple of um, publishing companies you will be seeing my face a lot more i just booked a modeling campaign which is like really fun so you'll definitely be seeing me around doing a lot doing the you know doing the thing so excited for you oh my god this is also exciting yeah thank you so much for chatting with me i had a great time thank you for having me And that was today's episode with Tahira. Be sure to follow her on Instagram at Sincerely Tahiri and her new business at The Honest Closet NYC. 
Also subscribe to her YouTube channel. All of her links can be found on the description of this podcast episode. Off She Goes also has an Instagram page. It's at Off She Goes Pod. Feel free to follow to stay up to date with future episodes. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd also appreciate it if you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And yeah, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Enjoy the rest of your day and week, and I'll chat with you soon. Bye.